You're listening to Stidia Cast, where we come together to discuss, gush, and occasionally cry about our love for Style Stalinsky and Lydia Martin. We hope to introduce the fandom to new material, support talented authors, and spend a little extra time with our OTP. This is Stidia Cast, because canon just isn't enough. Good evening, or whatever, everybody, and welcome to Fuck Off, Rosemary. <laughs> welcome to Fuck Off, Rosemary, the musical. The musical. I feel like I should stop this and, like, re-record that beginning, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> so, it. it is the second to last episode of season two of City of Cast, um, and we will be saying goodbye to Maggie. <laughs> One of our podcasters, so everybody, and Rosemary, we're also losing Rosemary, but she edits all these, so whatever. You're not losing me, you can't get rid of me. <laughs> um, today we are reading From One End to the Other by, well, you know, I can't say that again. Cool, bitches. <laughs> don't, just don't, son, just don't. <laughs> um... Which is a super magical AU, so I really hope that... No, well, I guess, like, it's definitely... It's um, technically canon divergence. Um, but anyways, everybody, I hope that you were thoroughly fucked up by reading this. And I hope that you have fun listening to this podcast. So, my name's Rachel. I'm Ron Gasm on Tumblr. I'm Maggie. I'm Red String Banshee on Tumblr. My name is also Rachel, but I am It's Always Lydia on Tumblr. And I am Rosemary, and I am Row Your Boat on Tumblr. So to get started, I wanted to know your guys' general opinions about, like, just this as an AU. I feel like I always ask that um, when we start <laughs> AU fix, just because, like, um, I think that it's really interesting to see the different universes that people throw the characters into, and this one isn't quite AU, it's Ken Divergence. So I'm wondering, like, what do you think of this as a storyline that, like, could potentially happen to these characters? I knew I was going to be fucked up from the moment the tag was alternate universe, everyone dies. <laughs> yeah. Like, dead. I mean, they were dead. I was also dead inside. You know, you get to be. Yeah, I mean, you should play a, a drinking game of any time any of us say, I'm so fucked up. And we'll see if you're alive at the end of it. Let us know. <laughs> Those of you at <laughs> home. Too. Yep. Um, this fic was basically like my wet dream because. <laughs> Because it was angsty as fuck. Everybody was dead. I was all for it. Like, as an AU, like, this is just the most angst. This is as angsty as you can get in a studio fic. And my ass was handed to me on a silver platter, and I was so thankful. I love this fic. It's probably my favorite studio fic. So the more suffering, the better. You say that every time we record a podcast. No, but I know, but it's, I have a lot of favorites, okay? Everyone's so talented. <laughs> but this really is, like, probably my favorite. Seriously. This is probably in my top five when I was thinking Easy. about how I would describe it. And I'm not one who usually likes super angsty fix, but this one, it was, like, the perfect combination of angst, hurt, comfort, with, like, that little tiny bit of cherry of hope at the end that I was like, you know what? This hurt real good. <laughs> I really enjoyed this fic when I first read it, which is why way back in the day when I first joined Tumblr, for some reason I messaged Rachel about it, and that now we're friends. <laughs> uh, yeah, according to Rachel, so I don't remember any of my life, but Rachel says that we, when we first started talking, we started talking about this fanfic and, like, the lines that fucked us up the most, and that's how we became friends, so, um... Thank you to this fic. Um, by the way, this is a fandom-voted fic episode. Um, so this is an old fic. It was written in 2014, and the author actually is a Sarek shipper. I don't know how that happened. But um, 
But, uh, so... We're gonna ignore that. But anyways, I, I just love this fic. I think it's one of the one of the real gems of our fandom. It's definitely, um, like, a pride and joy for us just because it is so stunningly written. It is absolutely gorgeous. Just, like, the, the way the characters develop and the dialogue. Um, and I hate to be that guy, but, like, the sex scenes are beautiful. You do not hate to be that guy. I know, I just... <laughs> but I don't, I don't mean that in, like, a pervy way. I mean that in, like, a... Holy God, these are just, like... They're just stunning. The, the sex scenes are just beautiful. They are so intimate. Drink. And they're just lovely. So... Well, go, going off of the sex scene thing, I don't usually talk about sex very often on this podcast because sex scenes make me feel terribly uncomfortable and always have... I really enjoyed this. I thought that it made so much sense in the moments, and it was beautifully done. And oh, mm-hmm. uh, I cried. I cried reading a sex scene. It finally happened. Screw all of you. Hey, join my party. As somebody who lives for sex scenes, um, I'm so happy to hear that. And it's I so know. true. <laughs> like, it really is so incredibly like private and intimate, just because. In this fix, Styles and Lydia, they're all each other has. And so sex isn't this rudimentary thing anymore. It's so much more than that. It's mm-hmm. loaded with the weight of, like, loss and comfort. And the only thing that they can give each other is this intimacy. It's so, yeah. straight up the it's only thing they have left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that issue is addressed really well, I feel, in the fic the issue of that we're all that each other has and then this is happening like I thought that was they didn't the author didn't shy away from you know a potential criticism of you know of, oh, everyone's dead so of course they're gonna you know want to find each other and end up falling in love or whatever you want to call it but it's very Hunger Games-esque that's exactly what it reminded me of there's no if or when or why about this it's this is our life and we need to move on and pick up the pieces and we cannot do it without each other. We have to do this. So I think you're absolutely right. It definitely reminded me of the very ends of Hunger Games, which I have other feelings about that aren't always positive, and it works really, really well here. Um, Can you team Gale? No. No, no, no. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant at all. Okay. I think I I I feel the way Rosemary does because I've talked with people about the ending of the Hunger Games and agreeing with the outcome but not disagreeing with how they get there is like a really common and maybe the author the author in that case just didn't articulate it as well as this author did for us exactly and I I, that's that's exactly my point in actual words so thank you (laughs) (laughs) so because we brought up that scene I actually would love to talk about that a little bit um so I can basically quote this scene from like top to bottom like literally it's like they're fucking on the tossed swing (laughs) after the beach and before dinner (laughs) and then like and then styles is like so i'm your husband and lydia's like uh are we gonna talk about that well because we were just talking we were just talking about well because we were just talking about how um the author made the concession that like this that this isn't a normal circumstance and that this is basically like two people in an apocalyptic situation end up getting together and falling in love and like in that scene the concession is made style says to her would this be happening if everybody else was still alive and she's like i don't know but like i love you I love you so much, so much. And he, like, gets really overwhelmed by it. And, like, it's my favorite scene in the whole thick. Also because he says to her, I've wanted to marry you since I was eight years old. It's so good. <laughs> it was so beautiful. 
I don't usually square with you guys either. Wow, it's with a stick. Uh, literally, I just erupted yeah. chills all over my body, and Rachel's gonna laugh because this is like the fifth time she made me get chills, like just from skyping with her. But seriously, like the chills I have all over my body from that line—it's just so unreal. That line, oh god, just thinking about it, like well, it's like a punch to the chest. It didn't feel like there were any concessions being made in this fic because they acknowledged it in such a reasonable and wonderful way. Yeah, yeah. concession is just, I think, the easiest way to put it. Well, and to the point where she, like, later on when, when she was talking with, with Katie and she was saying, um, they were, how old are you? And she's, like, 19, like, oh. Well, yeah, you guys she's honest, yeah. much older. You guys come across much older. She's like, well, yeah, and it just, there's some really mm-hmm. raw honesty here that I think plays well with where they are emotionally. We are like, oh, man, you're young. You shouldn't be feeling these things. Well, of course you're feeling these things. Look at all the shit that's happened to you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. They are so much more burdened and weary and tired than average 19-year-olds are. And it's so it's so heartbreaking that, like, they've known the loss in their life that, like, people usually don't know until they're, like, in their 70s and 80s. But, like, they're kids. It happened all at once. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. the point is oh. made, like, in an off-script, an off off-scene act, like, horrible tragedy that all of the people that they love died in, like, one fell swoop or left. We only really hear about Scott, Allison, and Styles' dad being dead. We don't know where all the other people are, but it's it's entirely possible that, as the tag says, they're all dead, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's bullshit. Oh. They I didn't even that, have time to, like, space it out and grieve. They mm-hmm. just... It no. Wow. Okay, yeah, this fic, when I was reading it for the first time, I was struck again by how well the author is able to describe and put you in the mindset of depression. Yes. Both from Lydia, who's like, you know, she, because we're in her head for this fic, um, so she's dealing with it in a very, like, I need to do some things or I'm going to lose my mind kind of way, and then Styles, who literally just, like, melts away for a period of time. Doesn't even um, cope, like... <laughs> He just, he just shuts down and sleeps all day. And Lydia specifically says that, like, she's chosen to make him her burden. It's like, it's like, Styles is her thing that she has to do now because there isn't anything left in this world for her. Like, it's just Styles. Like, and so, like, at first he's almost her project. Like, she takes him to that house because she's going to take care of him because his dad's dead and his mom's dead and his best friend is dead. And I'm assuming Melissa's dead, too, because Melissa would take care of him if Scott was dead and if the sheriff was dead. So everybody's dead and, like, Lydia's Except for Lydia's parents, apparently. Well, her mom's and like Prada, and Prada the dog. You know, you know my biggest. <laughs> I like I can't deal when dogs die on things. Like I, I can't do it. So I was like, oh my god, Prada, don't die. Uh, fuck Prada. What? <laughs> Prada's the best dog ever. <laughs> I care more about Prada than I care about Roscoe, and I think that's more on T-Wolf's marketing. I care more about like, Prada than I care about Corey. <laughs> I care more about oh, Prada true. than I care about Parrish. <gasps> Oh! They're both dogs! <laughs> oh! Oh my god. The fact oh, that she hides right. the knives. Oh, that oh, was so god. sad. That is one of my favorite scenes. Oh my god. Yeah, I love that scene where she brings him in and he's so clearly, like, unable to cope with anything. And the first thing she does is, like, hide the knives like a motherfucker. Oh, my heart. Um... Going off what you said, Rachel, about how she writes depression so well, it it isn't even, like, an in-your-face depression or, like, 
screaming, angsty, throwing things against the wall, smashing depression. This whole thing is just like a somber blanket that just like weighs on your chest. And it's just like, uh, it's just heavy. Like you feel the heaviness from the characters, you feel it from the writing. And you really do like feel that piece of them that's struggling and trying so hard to like move forward, but it's so somber. Like, Mm -hmm. and and not um, in a way that drags you down with them. But really? in a way that just, like, allows you to, like, have that journey with them as they're, like, struggling and going through it. Yeah. See, for me, I, like, I get dragged down. I, I, I have never made it to the end of this fic without crying, except for actually today I did not cry, but that was because I was, like, having a bad day when I was rereading it. And so I was, like, already, like, I was, like, I had my guard up against it. When I, like, open myself completely to this fic, I cannot get through it without crying at the end. Just, like, every time they hit... Scott's grave and Styles reaches out for Claire and I lose it every single time and it's always the same line and it's just like this fic just just like it absolutely does drag me down with them and like it really it really emotionally affects me for a long time after I read it and um it's always a struggle for me to reread it just because it it's just it's 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 very hard to think about a world in which like no, Styles doesn't have Scott like Scott McCall isn't Ooh. around to meet his little niece I want to clarify. I do get emotionally clarify. Like, clarify. <laughs> let it go. <laughs> um, but yeah, it really. You're right. It does take an emotional toll on you. Like, and it. Um, the part that fucks me up is. Oh my god! It's like two of my favorite scenes. Um, it's a two-parter that fucks me up. One of it is when she's like she has to go to the market and she's like oh. trying to drag him out of bed and she's pulling him. She's like, come on, come on, come on. And he's like not budging and she slips and like falls and she just like starts crying. And it's the line, like it should, like it would be funny. It should be funny, but it's not. Instead, it's just very sad. And like, Oh my God, like that fucks me up. And the part where they actually go to the grocery store and Styles sees the cereal that his, I think his dad always got him or something like that. Oh, yeah, he, he made and his he dad eat that. the cereal. Yeah, and his, the way she wrote, like, his face crumples and then he just, like, fucking loses it in the middle of a grocery store aisle. Like, uh, oh. And he pushes Lydia away from him at one point because she tries to go and, like, hold him and he, like, tries to knock her away, but she runs back up and, like, grabs him. That was so visceral. Like, Oh my yeah, god! And they crumble she, and they just fall together. She and just like hangs on to him like he could float away. It's so awful and like and it's it's crazy that she's she's the thing that's like anchoring him because she's the only thing he has. But like Lydia's the one that's like she's she's like the one that's weighting him down. Like she's actively choosing to anchor him by like wrapping her arms around his body and like being there for him and like bringing him to the house on the hill and like feeding him Ooh. and keeping him alive and making him shower and just like all these things. Well, and there's this really great line as the rope in her heart went slack. He uncoiled in her hands. Mm-hmm. And first of all, that's just beautiful writing. It just I love short sentences like that. They just oh god kills me. I just love that she's taking care of him so much because I feel like that's something that not that we don't always see, but we don't see very often. Um, and it was just extremely refreshing to be told in such a beautiful way. The rope on her heart went slack. He uncoiled. Uh, uh, pack the punch. Yeah, a lot of the language in this fic deals with heaviness of some kind, whether it's like a weight with the depression. Um, there's a uh, imagery with like stones in a graveyard. Um, there's gravity. One of my favorite lines is um, about 
like their depression and it's described as gravity and I have it so I'll read it because I want to read it really bad um the sadness moved around them like it was controlled by gravity like a solar system sometimes it was mercury Sometimes it was Jupiter passing them over like an eclipse. And like, that's exactly what I mean in terms of like the language conveying itself in terms of heaviness, because like, you know, little Mercury, small planet, or sometimes it's as vast as Jupiter and they like, don't know if they'll ever see the other side. Well, and the heavy words just play really well with the short sentences just Mm -hmm. because it's almost quick. It's exactly what you feel like if if you're breathing heavily or if you're trying to get past something and just can't get over it. That, like, feeling of trying to escape feelings that are dragging you down and just being unable to to do it. It's just, it's conveyed incredibly well in the style here. Mm -hmm. It's truly written within Lydia's head. Like, this is absolutely a representation of what's going on in her mind it is written consumingly from Lydia's perspective um and I think it's really beautiful I also I know that um I was like reading some of the comments in which the author was replying to people and one of the people complained that like the fic was too much about styles and not enough about Lydia um and the on the author was like yeah that's something that I tried to be cognizant of I feel like I didn't focus enough on Lydia's grief but I for one feel like this is just how Lydia grieves and the author was picking up on Lydia's natural state of understanding her own emotions. Um, I think that Lydia, this is how Lydia learns to get through life. And um, she she has a <laughs> she smaller tragedy than style. She was school in like four inch heels the next day and a skin tight dress. And I, exactly. I agree. I think that's just Lydia. And here's the thing is that Lydia does have something to go back to. She still has her family. Like, and it's, yep. she, she struggles through it and she doesn't really think she has her own things that she needs to work through. But he has nothing to go back to. Yep. She's all he has left. And it is a game right here. And actually, they kind of switch positions after Claire is born because Lydia has a bit of postpartum depression. Yeah. And then instead of like Styles being Lydia's like project, Styles finds new reasons to get up and not be like in bed all day because of their baby. And Lydia's just kind of like able to, I think, sort of let the air out of herself because she's missing something physically and she's now dealing with this unexpected missing of something emotionally that's the postpartum depression and that is done so well here yep. and that transition of her accepting that the baby's part of the li- her life and things like it's done so well yeah the especially because I like the fact that the author never really pointed fingers at postpartum depression it was just like another one of those things that they accepted into their lives it was just like a one-off line and it was very clear what was happening but like it there wasn't any finger pointing it was like this is a thing that is happening in our lives and we're gonna work through it and we're gonna get through this and styles picks up the slack that lydia had been up for him and it's this gorgeous parallel where like he's walking around the house and he's the one who's instead of them being consumed in silence he's making the noise for their baby and he's talking to claire as he walks around the house and like lydia can't hear what he's saying but she comforts herself in his voice because when he had been grieving, when he had been sleeping all day, when she had been probably the most alone she's been in her life, all she could hear was the silence, and it was awful, and it was torturous for her. Yeah, she says at one point right after they move into the house that she breathed heavier so there would be some noise. Yep. Oh, I love the house. That line so fucks me up. It really does. Like, mm. This whole fic is full of one-liners that just, oh my gosh, just knock you down. And just like, like, tattoo them on my body. Yeah. 
Also, it's not a particularly uh, dense read either. No. Like it's, no. it's it's heavy feelings, but it, it moves, and I really appreciate that. I rem- I think I remembered thinking it was like a super duper long fic, but then it is not as long as you might expect. It's definitely not the longest fic we've covered on here. And, <laughs> no, oh, but like, no. yeah, but like Rosemary <laughs> says, you really like despite the the heaviness in the subject matter, you move through it really fluidly. And it leaves, exactly. it leaves a really big impact. Like, ugh. I personally appreciate how I know someone who tried to read this fic and didn't like it because the vignettes were so small. But I personally really appreciate that because I feel like it um, suits the mood very, very well. I think that the Lydia's um, life moves in these, like, short cinematic spurts at this time. Um, and it's, like, these tiny little moments of nothing are what matter. And so I really appreciate the fact that they were so small and the scenes were so short. Um, I just felt like it was really effective writing and contributed even more strongly to the fact that you're in Lydia's head. You are truly inside of her. You're, you're experiencing her grief with her. And, like, you I almost just, get the sense that there's, like, nothing going on in between. Yeah. Like, this is, like, what's happening. So it's not, like, you don't need to see a transition of them, like, eating breakfast in silence for however many days in a row. You just need the moments where, you know they kiss at breakfast for the first time and then mm. it goes into the next thing and it goes into the next thing. But it doesn't feel like it, it doesn't, like you're right, it doesn't feel like it's skipping anything. It feels like they're like, almost like they're a bird that's trying to get off the ground and learn how to fly, but it's just not working because they just keep having to come back and then, mm. and then it soars. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I barely get fucked up by a fic like this and I, I hate all of you and I hate everything. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, in general, stylistically, I love it when authors do that because to me, I think it really breaks up the story and kind of gives you like a bit of a moment to like, it's a, a bit of freshness to like the monotony of like long paragraphs. So stylistically, like I, I love it when it, when it does that. Um, but yeah. So what I didn't realize until I reread this tonight is that one of our favorite City of Smuthead canons comes from this fic. Oh, yeah, I wrote that down, too. You wrote that down? Okay, then why don't you say what it is, Rachel? Okay. So, I mean, it's a little bit different in the way it starts because Style is the virgin in this fic. Oh, yeah. But, um... So after they have had sex a couple times, right, um, one night Lydia convinces him to go down on her and she kind of, like, talks him through it. And it's it says, like, he ends up liking it more than anything else they had done before. Um, and he actually ends up orgasming just from, like, running against the bed. And that's literally, I think, most... Or, or anyone who I've talked to, and I talked to a bunch of dirty-minded people. That's <laughs> the headcanon for Styles' first orgasm. I'm not dirty-minded. Yeah. I talked to many, not all. <laughs> I don't know who you talk to that's dirty-minded. Dirty it's Rachel not me. <laughs> right? Rachel and Maggie are both just like, yeah, girl, shout us out. <laughs> Thanks for indirect tweeting at me. <laughs> You see, this is this is why you have people who are like me and are just like, and sex scenes, I think they're pretty, but they make me feel uncomfortable. That's why you have people like me around. But no, usually. But for real, I didn't realize that that headcanon came from this fic, and I was rereading it today, and I was like, shit, I found you! (laughs) Wait, what was that? Can you do it again, please? (laughs) That was... Rachel, do you remember where you're from and how it's not Tennessee? (laughs) No. (laughs) 
What are you talking about? I live in Tennessee every day of my life. That sex head canon is in this fic, and when I reread it, I was like, I can hear Rachel feeling joy in her heart even now. <laughs> my heart literally was singing, and Rachel heard it. Listen, I was going to say, since we're on the topic of sex scenes, can we please talk about the night that spurs on the whole sex scenes? Because the that orgasm. hot. No, not the orgasm. The one where she's, like, masturbating. That's, and that's what she... The next day, she's like... She's like, when she thinks about it, the orgasm. And I'm like, oh, that's how you're like, that's how you think of this. That's how we're going to talk about it. All right. I was like, you could just say like, you know, Styles like watching you get off. But no, Lydia's like, the orgasm. Oh, God, it was so hot. Go ahead, Maggie. I remember the first time I read that, my stomach like literally actually flipped. And I was like, oh, this is so good. Mm -hmm. I think that's like. Because it's just, you're, you've, you're in this, like, heaviness for so long, and then all of a sudden, like, the script basically flips in the fic. So Ooh. it's like, whoa, this is the most intimate thing that we've read yet. And not even in, like, a, like, not even in the sexual way. It's just intimate. It is. <laughs> and don't they, like, maintain eye contact during the whole thing? And he pushes down on her stomach. Y'all, I can't. Yo, oh my god, the stomach thing. I was like, shit. Yes, I know. <gasps> I gotta go. She took his virginity while kissing his cheek. <clears throat> she wanted it to happen. I love that line. I don't know why. This, like, it happened quickly. She wanted it to happen. Yes. Ugh. Just, like, the dialogue at the beginning of it when he's just, like, I haven't been able to stop thinking about last night. And before he can even, like, finish his sentence, she's just, like, do it to me. Yes. <laughs> oh, so Lydia is not actually that embarrassed. She's made up her mind, and she knows a new way to sort of, like, redirect everything that they're feeling towards something good. I like the way he just, like, stares. It, like, feels like this monumental, colossal thing, and he didn't think that there was anything like that left in the world. And then Lydia Martin takes his virginity, and it's, like, I feel like it's this moment where, like, everything shifts, and he realizes that there's still stuff out there that matters to him, even though everybody's dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. And, like, I... That- I was Sorry, just gonna go say, ahead. like, I was just gonna say that the paragraph where Lydia's like thinking about it after she decides that this is what they're going to, like, this is what like is gonna happen, where she like actually is thinking like there isn't supposed to, like, maybe this is wrong, maybe there isn't supposed to be something like this for the two of us, maybe we're supposed to miss everybody who's gone, and we're not supposed to like think about anything else other than how much we miss them. But she just, you know, they don't care. And the last line in that paragraph is they had so many hours to kill. Like, they're just... Yeah, nothing else to do. Might as well fuck. They're killing hours, too. Everybody's dying. <laughs> <laughs> Rosemary! <laughs> um, I would love to talk about... Well, yeah. I would love to talk about just... <laughs> we've never talked about Pregnant Lydia on CityCast before. This is a brand new... Maggie's like... Situation. We so I want to talk about the pregnancy because this may be the very last time we ever talk about Lydia being knocked up on this podcast. Holla. Take it, Maggie. Take it away. Yep. Y'all, Lydia gets pregnant in this book. It's awesome. Um, the part that surprised me is like, Lydia, you're not using protection. Why would you think about protection? You're consciously in that letting styles ejaculate in you almost every night. 
You're a smart I girl. I was surprised she, she didn't bring her birth control. Like, her pill, the birth control pills. Like, I thought that was just a routine that maybe she would carry over like, as another thing to do. But You would think. But I'm so glad she's ignorant in this one circumstance because it resulted in a baby. <gasps> oh, wait. It's all about pregnancy. Oh. Before we begin and continue talking about pregnant Lydia, you should all know that use protection. <laughs> Rachel, every time. City cast safe sex talk. <laughs> and the city cast says use protection t-shirts are going up very soon. <laughs> you should actually make those. I would use golf ball rosemary. <laughs> I would buy one. Wait, can we have city cast condoms? No. Yes. We can do a song. We can do a song. We can do boxer shorts. <gasps> I want to see you boxer shorts. <laughs> okay, so the boxer shorts are already in the shop. I'm pretty yes. sure. Yes. Okay, but why am I picturing Stalinski wearing nope. city cast boxer nope. shorts? Someone draw me that. <laughs> Someone edit that. Rachel will get it signed by Holland Road at Hollercon. <laughs> the proudest moment of my life, and I was walking into Hamilton when you sent me that. <laughs> Um, okay, so aside from everybody having safe sex, please, um, (laughs) I think that the thing that I love the most about the, um, pregnancy storyline was the way Lydia, like, goes to get the abortion without even, like, considering an alternate option. She's just like, I'm getting an abortion. That's it. And then she just, she doesn't realize the weight of the abortion until she's standing there with the pill in her hand thinking about killing Styles' baby and she can't do it. Killing Styles' baby. Oh, this fic fucked right? me up. This doesn't usually happen this bad, and I hate everything and love everything. True. Um, I love how Styles, how good he is with the kid on the beach when they meet Katie and her partner for the first time. Hannah. And how he's like, yeah, and how they're just like Styles being good with kids, just like. Right in the heart. Oh, and Lydia right says he's just a big kid himself, and then she thinks back to a time when that used to be true, and I was like, oh, fuck uh, me up! How about when he he's like, I think my, my dad would have wanted grandkids. Oh, I, want, I want Grandpa Stolinski. I want Grandpa Sheriff. I want these things, and... Mm-hmm. And when they're talking about, like, Scott, too, Lydia says, can you imagine Scott's face? He'd throw the baby shower. And then he says, oh, yeah, Allison and Scott would have been good godparents. And then it says Lydia squeezed his hand for everything that wasn't. Well, and I feel like like, like, (laughs) all the time we're like, oh, Allison, if Allison was there, this. And it's so weird to put Allison and Scott in the same place as not Where they can't be. Yeah, absolutely. not there. Like, they're, oh. <laughs> that fucks me up. My favorite line in this entire fic is um oh wait, is it's also it's 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 also Rachel's favorite line, so I'm gonna let her read it. <laughs> Go ahead. I've been reading a lot of this fic. <laughs> uh okay, so it's way back to towards the middle of the fic. We're jumping around a lot. But um Lydia is thinking it was the kind of love that can't be felt. It was the kind of thing that hardly existed. It was in their heads and their eyes and in the way that they came together and in the way that she knew what his eyelashes felt like on her breast. I've been on the verge of tears this whole episode. Like oh, I love Just this. like I I just love how Lydia's thinking about it and it's something that's soft and quiet. This writing is unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> Unacceptably wonderful. Yeah, because, like, Styles comes into this fic with the way he feels about Lydia being huge, but it's not the hugest thing that he's feeling. And then we kind of, he kind of realizes he has a chance to 
feel something good like love again. He just, you know, it all spills out. Like, I've wanted to marry you since I was eight years old. I used to <sighs> picture the wedding and my parents would be crying in the front and they'd be so proud of me. And then Lydia's like, when he asks, like, you know, do you even love me? And she, she's like, I don't know if this would happen if we weren't where we are right now, but like, I love you so much, like Rachel said. And it's just, with Lydia, it comes up so soft and quiet, but so intense and intimate that, like, Oh, I, I really love the way this fic dealt with how their circumstances brought them together and how they both think about it. I like that it's not an excuse of like, well, let's just throw them together because everybody else is dead. It's it's purposeful. Back to just like the heaviness stuff, like Lydia yeah. compares them to how they could have been like stones in the graveyard, um, but instead that they're a house on a hill near the woods and the lakes and the flowers are growing around them as opposed to flowers being like, left on the graves and I just thought that was a really good way to like sort of give this thick a thesis statement of like you don't need to be stones in the face of tragedy because they already there already are graves in this case you can be like you know a small place that is yours and will stay with you and change and evolve with you everyone's <laughs> staring at me stop it <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. Okay. All right. No one else was so fucking close to ugly sobbing. Like, <laughs> and you know the thing that really fucks me up about that is that it um it fits very well with who Lydia is going to have to be this season. She's going to be experiencing some extreme grief and um, this possibility of just connecting with Styles and just finding out that he loves her too, and then maybe never ever seeing him again. Like when he walks away from her, she knows that she could never see him again. So she's working to get him back, but I think there's also some element of grief there. And I really, I think that maybe she expects herself to be stone in the face of tragedy, but like as from one end to the other proved, you can't. You can't be like that always, and you don't have to. And I think that, as always, as always, Lydia Martin is like the sword of Gryffindor. She's going to come out stronger. Whatever the world throws at Lydia Martin, she comes out stronger. That was unnecessary. That was wonderful. That was good. I thought you were talking about the Harry Potter reference for a second, and I was like, that wasn't a totally necessary Harry Potter reference. What when the I fuck are you talking about? When I say unnecessary, I mean necessary when i say unacceptable i mean bring it give it to me thank you for listening to this episode of city of cast um next week we will be discussing the third part in the out of the ash series by our very own mad grad 2011 um we talked about the first two parts actually as our first ever episode of city of cast so it's kind of crazy that our last episode of season two is also about that fic. Um, we're bringing it back around for Rachel because she is an incredible city writer and an incredible human being. Um, and an incredible friend. And an incredible... Nope, I don't have anything. I gotta go. <laughs> so, um, my name's Rachel. I'm Ron Gessam on Tumblr. I'm Maggie. I'm registering Banshee on Tumblr. I'm Rachel, and I'm It's Always Lydia on Tumblr. I'm Rosemary, and I am Row Your Butt on Tumblr. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Practice safe sex. <laughs> Here at StidiaCast, we review and discuss our favorite Stidia fanfics. If you enjoyed today's fic, go tell the author the things you love best about it. You can find us at StidiaCast on Tumblr and on Twitter at Stidia underscore cast. A special thanks to our sound editor, Rosemary, Row Your Boat on Tumblr, and to our incredible anonymous donor for making Season 2 of Cydia Cast possible. 
Thank you for listening and see you next time.